Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, your ears are about to tickle. You are listening to a podcast with two friends sharing their opinions and their love about things they enjoy. This is the Disaster Party Podcast. Whoa, daddy. Let's get it. Oh, oh, daddy, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let them boys explain. It's free, and there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And that's the Disaster Party Boys telling you, go do it now. Oh, whoa, daddy, it's your boy Andy Bivians, it's B-I-V-I-A-N-S, for I am the one true, oh, daddy, Bivians, I-N-C, and professional wrestling, your American icon, and today we have another episode of Know Thy Neighbor, and sitting next to me, the man, the myth, the legend, I say this about everybody, and I actually feel it in my soul with this one. Chris, welcome, Chris. Hey, thank you, Andy. I appreciate you having me, brother. Yeah, anytime, anytime. How are you today? Real good, man. It's uh, you know Mother's Day today, so I got to spend a little time with Ma, which is which is good. But yeah, just rocking, rocking and rolling. That's awesome. Yeah, man. That's awesome. So here on Know That Neighbor, we tr- we try to get the story about who you are. You know what makes you you. What makes you tick. So thank you for coming on. Thank you for joining us. I'm excited for this one. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. <laughs> this is gonna be a lot of fun. So. Awesome, awesome. So first question, very hard, very tough, very very tough. I'm ready. Are you happy? Am I happy? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I, I am, and I wasn't. I wasn't always happy, man. It's uh, it's taken a long time to. For me, the biggest thing in life is always trying to find. Everyone's got that American dream, you know. We always want to be in that place where you want to find the thing that makes you happy every day. You wake up and you say, "I love what I do. I love being who I am, and I love the life that I'm living." Finally, we've we've gotten there. So it's it's taken some time. It's taken some work. If there's been ups and there's downs, but you know we're there. So yeah, that's awesome. Yes. That's awesome. So, what makes you so happy? Oh man, I got so many things to be thankful <laughs> for, man. I do. Um, you know, my family, my fiance, my, you know, soon to be, you know, daughter, um, that, that they're fantastic. I couldn't ask for, you know, better people in my life. So I've, I've got that friend. My friends are fantastic. You over here, Andy, you know, <laughs> <laughs> we go back a bit and it's, you know, it's, I've got good people in my life. Um, on top of that, you know, the, the work that I do, you know, uh, is, is the best work in the world. I've got the best job on the face of the earth, you know, I make people's dreams come true and make people's best day of their lives even better. And, uh, I'm, lucky. Awesome. I'm lucky for that. So that's awesome. Well, congratulations. I Thank heard you, you say new fiance, <laughs> yes, yes. new daughter-in-law. Yes. Very good. That's awesome. I'm very happy for both of you. I appreciate that. Um, congratulations. Oh, uh, so what type of work do you do? 
All right, well, I own um, Music Speaks Volumes Entertainment. Uh, we're a full-service DJ, uh, photo booth, and videography company here in the Hudson Valley. Uh, so, I mean, primarily we do a lot of weddings. You know, that's that's what we do. <laughs> we, we spend, you know, sometimes 200-plus weddings a year, and we spend all of our time with couples getting married, sharing love, and partying. <laughs> so that's awesome. I get paid to party, man. That's the awesome. greatest job in the world. <laughs> that's awesome. So you literally make people's best day better. I do, better. yeah. It's, it's, it's the greatest feeling in the world to know that every time I go to work, I'm there to celebrate. I'm there to make their dream day come true. And uh, I'm there to, I'm there to party with them. So That's it's, awesome. it's, it's the best. It's the best. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so let's go back to your childhood. What would you say would be one of the most impactful memories from your childhood? Oh man. Impactful memories from my childhood. So, you know, here's, this is some, this is kind of a little bit of a rough story. Um, so I have a, you know, a special needs uh, sister. She has a very rare uh, syndrome called PAX-1. Um, it's similar in feelings to autism, and uh, but she's got a learning disability. She had a speech impediment. She didn't walk for a long time in her life. And um, one thing that I always had to struggle with as a child was kids being kids, P kids not knowing, and kids then trying to be funny to make light of a situation that they're not familiar with. So uh, I'll never forget one time I was driving, you know, on the bus to school, whatever, and some kid, uh, you know, made some comment about my sister, you know, being special needs, said some nice, not, not nice words about her. And, you know, it was that point in my life that kind of, I feel really changed who I was as a person in that I was never going to be that guy. I was never going to be the person to put other people down because of something that they can or can't do. Um, yeah, you know, that, that day changed me. You know, I didn't have nice words with that guy. That didn't end well. But, <laughs> but I could only imagine. <laughs> it, it, didn't, it didn't end well. But I learned a really valuable lesson at the end of it. Um, you know, it's you never know what other people are going through and you never know what um, struggles people have. And at the end of the day, you need to be bigger than the people that are putting people down and belittling people. You always need to be the stronger person, the the one in the right state of mind, uh, just be good to people, man. So that was, that was an important day for me. Yeah. I hear that. Mm. I hear that a hundred percent. Um, are you and your sister still close to this? Oh, stuff? absolutely. I just, I just left our house a little bit ago. That's so, awesome. She's the sweetest, sweetest thing on the face of the earth, man. You know, she couldn't ask for a better sister. So. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, uh, what would you say would be the most like, like a worst slash difficult time in your childhood? So, well, I come from a, uh, a very old school Italian family. Uh, you, can, you can picture the people, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's what you see in the movies. That's, that's really what it is. And, um, you know, my family's got a whole bunch of different careers from, you know, some of my family's in construction, some owns construction company. I've got a family member who's a doctor and everyone's got really solid, substantial careers. Um, so... Growing up, it was always hard for me um, to decide. I always wanted to be a musician, you know, from, from as a kid. You know, I was, uh, I, I love musical theater. I love to sing. You can imagine, you know, a, a, an, eight, an eight, nine year old kid who wants to do musical theater, what your family's thinking, you know, it's, it's, uh, coming from an old school Italian family, you know what you're getting, what you're getting. And uh, so that was a hard time for me, man. It really was. You know, I had a passion for something that was obscure and different and um, obviously has some subtext that automatically comes along with it just being what the what the field is. Um, so I had to overcome that. You know, I had to, you know, just just push forward, make it seem it's at the end of the day, it's not about 
what you do is that it's about you know what you love it. There's no there's no stigma to any specific thing that you do. So that was uh that was tough for me. You know I had to fight, but you know it worked out. It did. <laughs> so so now for those of you that are just meeting Chris for the first time, um, we had the nickname Show Tunes for Chris because this <laughs> man can sing show tunes like you have never heard before in your life. I promise you. Literally, when I hear certain like songs and stuff. Your voice pops up, not the voice that I'm watching. So that's really awesome. Did you ever like? Did you ever follow through on that? Did you? Yeah, ever do I, I did. I did musical theater. Um, you know, straight through high school, I actually went to uh, for a short period of time, but went to SUNY Purchase. I was in their opera conservatory, so I was singing opera at that point. Um, and I've done so much local theater and regional theater. Never got to a professional level. Just out of, you know, it's it's a tough career to get into. Uh, finance is tough. You have to really be able to commit your time to auditioning and uh, kind of working dead end, you know, small jobs just to kind of keep yourself afloat and. That overall, overall, that wasn't really the life that I wanted for myself. Right. But you know, I still sing, I still still perform. If I get opportunities, you know, local theaters and things like that to do stuff, and I've got the time to do it, I absolutely jump on those opportunities. So that's awesome. That's awesome. You should start a. Uh, see now you got my brain going. <laughs> just start a uh, like a like a TikTok where you just fucking just, sing just, and show just, tunes. Just going, yeah, yeah just throw that. on one and I'd just fucking just go. That'd yeah. be dope. All right, we can we, we can work something out. I'm down with that. Um, so. What would you say um, was one of your happiest moments as a kid? Oh, yeah, this yeah, this was this was a big thing for me. So the first, um, you know, I fell in love with theater uh, when I was in sixth grade. Sixth grade, uh, I had a music teacher who. In that year of music, we just they were going to just play musicals for us, and we had to learn about the musicals and kind of that style of music. So the first thing we watched, I remember, was Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, and I was like, cool. okay. this is weird, but it's cool. I like it. <laughs> uh, so we did like a little impromptu like performance in class, which was a lot of fun, and then um, – we watched The Music Man, which those of you that don't know, it's a real old school, old timey musical. Not really the best musical in the world, but I just fell in love with with the art of it. I fell in love with the craft of it. I thought this, this was cool. It's got so much incorporated. There's acting, there's singing, there's dancing. There's so many talents that are required to make this happen. That's cool. And found out that that sixth grade year my elementary school was doing a production of the music man that I could audition for. And I was That's like, awesome. awesome. Never been on stage before. I was a terrible singer at that time. In my life could not sing a note. I was kind of like, like middle of puberty. Like didn't really, my voice didn't know what it was doing. Didn't know if I was going to still be like prepubescent high voice or if my voice was going to drop. It, I was terrible, but I auditioned, got the lead role in the music man in sixth grade. And that kind of just like kicked it off for me. But let me That's tell you, a life changing experience when that happens for you at that age. That's you know? wild. Yeah. So did you um did you did did you have like a lot of shows with that or uh it was, it was like a weekend's worth you know we did like three three performances of that but nonetheless for you know a sixth grader you know there was a ton of lines to memorize I had songs <laughs> to sing I didn't know what the hell I was doing but it was, I couldn't be more proud of myself at that point in my life you know I was like I'm the man right now nobody else thinks I am but I feel like the oh man. <laughs> bro you got the lead role in your favorite play right. Yeah. Like, I remember I was younger, and uh, not many people know this, and I'm actually putting this out there for the first time. Um, I was the the child version of Conrad Birdie. Oh, yeah. In a Conrad Birdie play you know, in Jersey. I did, I did a production of Bye Bye Birdie. Did in, you? In seventh, seventh grade, yeah, I did. Yep. I never got the lead role. I was just, like, the main kid to Conrad in, like, yeah. one scene, and then that was That's it. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> so I can only imagine, like, you being the lead role – 
must have felt like amazing. I thought I was Superman at that point. Yeah. But you sure. having the lead role on like the entire right. thing, that must have li- been life- awesome. Life changing. Like you think all of a sudden, like you're this like really shy, awkward kid who likes theater, and next thing you know, like you're everything that you've ever wanted to do is like coming to fruition, even though you're terrible. And you're, and you're, <laughs> you're, you're I mean, you're in sixth grade. You're just, this isn't this isn't uh, Broadway here, but. It, it still it feels good like it kind of changes your perspective that's kind of what parachuted the rest of my career doing that is that i had that one opportunity i was given that opportunity and then could kind of run with it that's wild that's awesome that's cool so let's let, let's shoot over to a more or more darker yeah, experience out sure. what's your biggest fear who um biggest fear uh would be to lose any of the people that mean the most to me, to lose my fiance, to lose my stepdaughter, to lose uh, any, I mean, my mother and my father, even they're getting up there. So I think that those are, you know, I'm such a people person and I, I survive kind of off of the energy that people bring around me. So I think losing one of them, um, whether it be, you know, a physical loss or even an emotional loss, I think would be, uh, that'd be really heartbreaking for me. I'd have a tough time with that. Mm-hmm. Um, would you say like that's something that kind of like pushes you every single day? The fear of it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm fortunate in that I do have the support of, of my friends and family and pretty much everything that I do and my close family. So I don't fear that if I were to fail, at what I do, that they would then leave me or or, or, or forsake me for that for that purpose. But I, I do it for them. I do it because I want to I want to be the support and I want them to see me constantly being happy. You know, I've worked so many dead end jobs where you're kind of just going through the motions and, and going through the day to day and you're just beating yourself up and they see that and they see the toll it takes on you. So that's that that hurts them. Um so it's it's I get to be a different person doing what I do. So I would say, yeah, a little bit, you know, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, what's the best advice you ever received? (laughs) I took this one to heart, man. If you believe in something, do not stop talking about it until you get it. Literally you are your own advertisement. You are the person that is going to push you to the next level. So never, ever doubt yourself and always put yourself to the next step. Um, the best, the best advice I've ever received and the best advice I will give to anybody. And I can say this from experience, man, there's been so many opportunities, jobs that I've worked and things that I've had where I work at a job for say six months. I'm like, eh, I think I'm good with this. I can make more money. You talk, you open your mouth. If you're worth it and you think you're worth it, you know, you can do more work and make more money. Talk to the person who's going to make that happen for you. And don't let it up. You just keep talking. <laughs> Do not shut your mouth. <laughs> Be annoying. You know, you know, put yourself in a position where people really recognize what you think you're able to do. And eventually they'll start to believe it. Um, I, and I could say that if opportunities come your way and you're, think, you're feeling a little bit shy or nervous to kind of take that opportunity or to talk to them about it, just do it. Just open your mouth, say what you got to say, and you never know where life's going to lead you with that. So open your mouth. That's the advice. That's, <laughs> yo, I don't know if y'all heard that, but that's a bar right there for sure. Um, so where do you remember, where were you when um, like an event like 9-11? Do you have any memories of that? I do actually complete, very, very clearly. Um, can't remember what teacher I had, but I was in fourth grade. Um, I was in elementary school. I think I was actually for a short time over in Poughkeepsie, but nonetheless, um, I remember very distinctly 
my mom has always been the type of person that if anything happens, she's immediately there to pick me up. And I was one of the first people to get called out of the class. Uh, they called me down, and my mom was like, I'm coming. I'm taking you home. And I was like, what's, what's going on? And she was like, some really bad things happened. We'll talk about it in the car. So she, we went in the car, sat down, and 9-11 was really scary for me. My dad uh, is an iron worker in Manhattan. Oh, wow. So he was working. Uh, he was supposed to, he was set to be working on the World Trade Center that day. Um, so we had no idea what was going on. We couldn't get in touch with him. Cell phone service was down. It was bad back then anyway, but we had no way of contacting him or communicating with him. And um, we didn't hear from him for almost 15 hours, you know, by, it was pretty much that point in the evening, 11 to 12 o'clock at night, where he finally reached out to us, um, said that his job had got moved for the day. And uh, he was ended up being uptown a little bit, but he couldn't get out of the city. So pretty much him and a bunch of the guys on the job pretty much hijacked, you know, one of the business trucks and just bolted out. And uh, eventually he got home the next morning. Um, but scary day, man. That That's was, wild. Yeah, life changing. That was that was an experience, man. That's crazy. So, which parent would you say that you had the best relationship with? Oh, I've had a good relationship with both my parents, uh, but I would say. My mom um, has been more of the person that I can talk to. My dad, as I said, comes from really old school Italian type. So he's a little on the hard side. Um, he's a little tough. But my mom has always been good. She's She's been there and supported us for my entire life, still to this day. I mean, she'll do my laundry if I asked her. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I don't, but she would. Um, she's, she's always been great. She's always supportive of uh, anything that I want to do. I mean, she has her questions and she has her concerns. But really, at the end of the day, she always knows that if it's something that's that important to me, you know, she gets it and she, she supports me. So definitely mom. Yep. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so looking towards the future, like where do you see yourself within like five, 10, 25 years, retirement years? Yeah. I mean, five, 10 years or so. I'm just trying to keep, keep doing what I'm doing, man. I, <laughs> I literally can't imagine doing anything else. I love it so much. That's I'm awesome. so passionate about it. I just want to keep doing it. So I want to do more of it. <laughs> you know, that's, that's really it. It's just, how can I grow this even bigger? How can I do more? Um, I considered, you know, you know, buying a camera and like, maybe, maybe I'll start trying some photography myself. See if I can like get into that side of the business just cause I love, I love the environment. It's, it's a cool place to be. Uh, so I just really want to grow this, watch it succeed. Just keep making people's days perfect keep making their lives better keep making their the best day of their life the best day of their life and um eventually one day you know maybe you start something else you know I've, I've talked about you know real estate and things like that but i don't have passion for that i know there's money in those fields but for me it's not it's not the money it's it's i just love doing what i'm doing so why stop you know so if i if i can dj until i'm 75 years old you guys will have me i'll be there i'm <laughs> sure you probably could i a thousand percent believe you probably could you'll be see you'll be uh doing people's weddings and then their daughter's weddings and, and then the their grand the <laughs> yeah, keep going man generations i'll roll up in a wheelchair i'll still rock that's right. awesome <laughs> so then would you say like growing up or just realizing this now would this be like your unbreakable dream or do you have like another unbreakable dream that this was the unknown one this was the, I love to sing and I love music and I've always been an old school hip hop guy. I've always loved, you know, all genres. I don't I'm really, I'm really picky when it comes to music and I found that I just always had a passion for it. I love the art. I love the words. I love the stories that they tell. So music has always been so important to me. Um, that being said, you know, singing as a profession will never die for me. It'll okay. Never, that'll always okay. be the thing that 
if if possible, you know, if, if someone offered me like a contract to go sing somewhere, I would still DJ. But I, but I also <laughs> make that singing contract happen. That's because that's always been the thing for me, and I've had to work so hard to to train uh, to, to get myself to that level where I can do it. Um, but I mean, this this was as I said, this was the undecided dream, and it kind of just fell. It, the pieces fell right where they should have it. It just made sense. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So uh, you said you're you said you're a hip hop lover. Who's oh, your yeah. favorite? Oh, Who's man. your favorite? I love. I, see, I'm really into, you know. Funk, hip hop, kind of more jazzy stuff. Tribe Called Quest, mm-hmm. you know. Um, no, like Mob Deep. Okay, <laughs> like, okay. You know, like my, my old school stuff, you know. So it's you know, but but as I said, I'm so open to all sorts of music. But uh, I've always I've always had a you know, just like that early '90s, late '80s hip hop is just oh, kind of like that's what I sit in the room. That's where I sit in the room and listen to. You know, if I'm just chilling, just laid back, that that's where we're going. And you talked about telling a story too, like well, that's, back that's, then. That, that's it. I mean, that's that's the difference between today's hip hop and back then's hip hop is. There, it was a story. They were, they were telling you something most of the time. You know, you, you obviously had to hear other yeah, songs. I mean, you had a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> you, had, you had other songs. But some of these artists, you know, they really, you know, they, they tell exactly. You, you, you get a story in three and a half minutes. And that is the, that's the best part of hip hop. And that's why I like it so much. You know, singing and music is great. And I love that. But I think the storytelling portion adds a whole new aspect. Plus yeah, the beats awesome. are dope. So. That, oh, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Um, have you ever had any near de- near death experiences? Oh yeah, I sure did actually. Uh, I mean, not that I was injured, but I was almost killed. Uh, oh, so shit. yeah, when I, I was uh, my my smart ass when I was uh, a kid, I did you know like those little those little Flintstones cars, the little brown ones that you pretty much use as a child to like, put your feet in. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So here I am, like five or six years old, hanging out with my brother and my friends. You know, outside when kids used to play outside. That was uh, <laughs> what is that? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Not on the phone. What? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so we decided it'd be a great idea if I put on some roller skates, sit in this little Flintstone car. And then roll down this massive hill that has this big blind That's turn. That's a great idea. You should do that. <laughs> yeah, sounds like sounds like fun. So nonetheless, I do it. Get the roller skates on, the little cart. I'm telling you, Andy, when I went down this hill, got to that blind corner, there was a car coming up <laughs> the other side. I within milliseconds, I, that would have been it. I, I I just missed it. Flew off into the grass. Down I went. I, I, three seconds, I would have been dead. Like, That's you know, wild. If, if, I, if I had thought a moment less. So, I mean, crazy. <laughs> That's wild. That, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, right? Like, was well, so stupid, first of all. But, you know. Like, when you look back at it, you're like, that was awesome. That was awesome. But, but also, now you're like, wait a second. What were you thinking? Yeah. Why did I do that? Right. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that, you know, you build off into uh, that. Absolutely. I'm just saying, like, if I, my, my daughter did something like that, I'd be like, What's wrong with you? <laughs> what are you like, why would you why do would you that? Think about something like that. Well, see what happened was you. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I figured the more wheels, the faster you go, right? Let's let's get twelve wheels on this. I mean, you were right. <laughs> yeah, but I, 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 there was no stopping me. <laughs> that's crazy. Um, so, have you ever had like a, a supernatural experience? A supernatural experience? No, you know, I can't. I really can't say that I have. You know, okay. Yeah, nothing supernatural. It's everything, you know, I'm, I, I come from like a really like a thought process, like a really just like I'm a logical guy. I'm just okay. Like, really like okay. Straight. So everything has an explanation in my world. So maybe at some point in my life it's happened. And I just explained it away. So, you know. <laughs> All right, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, what's your most um, cherished childhood memory? My most cherished childhood memory. Hmm. It's a little sad, so I'm going to get a little, a little dark here. Uh, but um, 
the final moments that I had with my grandfather before he passed away. Um, those were some really special moments. He wasn't really able to say much, but you know, me and my grandfather had a good, always had a good relationship growing up. He's actually on my leg over here. That's um, awesome. And uh, you know, the final moments I got to spend with him, you know, I actually ended up moving into my grandmother's house while he was, you know, kind of on in his end stages in his last couple of weeks. And, you know, I got to spend a little bit of time with him, talking with him. He wasn't really much understanding. He wasn't talking back. But um, those moments I'll never forget. You know, it was it was nice to be able to share those last, you know, couple of weeks with him in that way where it was, you know, he knew, I knew. But it, it was it was still, you know, it's something I can't forget. You know, that's that's really that. You were still there, though. So, like, yeah. that's what matters. Mm-hmm. That's right. beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, Got me choked up here, man. (laughs) This is what Know That Neighbor is about. We're we're getting to the deep end. No, that's awesome. That's that's really beautiful. Um, What would you say one of your biggest regrets is? I've got a couple. Um, One is not finishing school. Um, I'm always curious where that path would have taken if I finished out opera school and and what would have happened. so that's just, you know, more of a curiosity sake, not so much of a regret, but I just, what, 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 where would have I been? Would I still be here today? Would I be doing something else? Um, and then uh, part of me feels that I could have and pr- maybe should have tried a little harder once I did leave school, decided to audition in the city, decided to go and go that route. I think that I could have spent some more time doing that, um, committing to it. I was, I was so worried about finances at that point in my life. I really had nothing to work off of. So I was just worrying about the day-to-day and the auditions would fall to the wayside. But I think if I had spent a little bit more effort, a little more trying into that, there, there could have been a different situation today. So um, as I said, it's, it's a regret, but I, I'm not, I don't harp on it, you know? Okay. So I'm actually going to add one. Yeah. Uh, working on the fly here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever had... so? I've had this conversation with multiple people. I have a certain feeling when it comes to uh, this phrase. And I feel like certain people understand where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. And other people, they change my perspective on it. Right. But it still kind of stays like in that genre. Right. Have you ever had somebody tell you this? Or what is your perspective on hearing somebody say, you should be realistic? Oh man, that's the worst. <laughs> that's the worst. I come from a field where like realistic doesn't exist, man. I I work in music for a living. Like I I, I play with music for a job, and I get paid really well to do it. You know, it's um, you know, never be realistic. Dream, dream, always fight for your dream. Always take that shot. If you feel like you you can't do it, try it anyway. You know, because you never know what's gonna happen. As I said one of those regrets, you know, I was being realistic with myself and decided I was going to stop auditioning as much as I was because I thought that there was no real career there. That was, I was trying to be realistic. That's what everyone was telling me, right? What did that do for me? I have a regret now, you know, that I, ha- that I have to deal with. So no, don't be realistic. Never be realistic. <laughs> stop that. Just do you do what makes you happy. Do what's going to fulfill you because at the end of the day, you live one time. This is the only shot you got. This is the only chance we have to be here. If you don't do it, you're never going to get the chance to. So try, try. And if you fail, then you know you tried. And that's really it. So, yeah. I, I dig <laughs> that. I dig that. Um, so what would you say your biggest drive and motivation is in life? Family, uh, future, 
definitely my family, I think, is definitely the most motivated. You know, it's I want them to have everything that I couldn't have in my life. And I want them to, you know, eventually, you know, I've got my, my stepdaughter, but when I have a kid of my own um, as well, I want those two to just be able to do whatever they want and never have to wonder if we can make it swing. So I just want to give them everything. So that's the only goal. That's, 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 that's the only thing I want to do is just is give everything for them. You know, that's, that's why I drive. That's, that's why I do what I do. That's why I work so hard and I'm constantly hustling because they mean the world to me, you know, and I want to make sure that I have everything laid out for them. They don't I, have to worry about it. I dig that so much. And it, I think the one thing I love about that is that, you're doing it for other people. You're not doing it for yourself, you know? Granted, you're still enjoying it and still loving it. Uh, of course. But it's not your motivating factor. Right. I think that's awesome. I wouldn't enjoy it as much if they weren't around for it, too. So. I dig that. Um, so, last but not least, if you had to give yourself one bit of advice to your younger self, what would it be and why? Never give up. Never give up. Ever, ever, ever. Uh I had a lot of opportunities to go for all those dreams and goals and things that I wanted to do, um, missed some of them. But then as I got older uh, and as I learned, you have to, you, you miss a hundred percent of the chances you don't take, man. <laughs> that's, that is, that is, that's truth. You miss a hundred percent of the chances you don't take. So never doubt yourself. Never think that you can't do something. Have a hundred percent faith in yourself because you're the only person that ever will. Um, and just go for it. Never give up. Never. And that was that was actually some words from a uh, former dance teacher of mine over here in Hopewell. Uh, it was Louis Perez, incredible guy. Uh, and he, his 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 motto was never give up. And uh, he instilled that in me. And I will if if I could go back and tell my kid myself that just do it. Stop. Don't worry about what other people have to think. Don't worry about people what people say to you. They make fun of you if they joke. They play. You just keep doing you. Don't give up. Keep fighting through you that's it that's awesome that's awesome i dig i dig that a thousand percent um wow that your entire story literally just motivated me to do more you know what i mean like (laughs) just to strive and to like do more with life and just keep pushing forward and keep pushing forward for others and doing you know what you love to do like I'm very happy everything worked out for you. Yeah, man. I can't I'm wait lucky, to see you. Uh, know, I'm lucky. I'm happy. And, uh, you know, man, I'm just, I'm just trying to keep rocking. That's it. There you <laughs> go. There you go. So uh, why don't you tell the people where they can find you? Tell them what you're doing. All um, right, guys. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, as I said, my name is Chris. I'm the owner of Music Speaks Volumes Entertainment. We do uh, DJ services, photo booths, vi- full, full service videography. Uh, you can find us on our website, www.musicspeaksvolumes.com. Check out all of our stuff. We do, don't just do weddings. We do sweet 16s, birthday parties, engagements, retirements. Pretty much if you're trying to party, we'll be there for it. Um, yeah, check us out on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, MSV is what we go by otherwise. And that's pretty much what there is to it. <laughs> that's wild. That's wild. So then again, thank you, Chris, for joining us. Of course, man. Thank, thank you, you for, for um, telling your story and being open with us. I dig it. We're going to put all of your stuff in the uh, in the bio so that way you guys can click it, you guys can find them, you guys can follow them, you guys can support them. Um, so again, remember to like, share, rate, review, comment, subscribe to all things Disaster Party Podcast and Chris. And uh, thank you for being with us. Thanks again, Andy. It was a pleasure, man. Thanks, guys. We are... Out.
Bye. Bye. Boom. Welcome to Disaster Party Podcast. As always, this is Rob Cedeno, and I'm joined by my co-host, and we have not been on a podcast in quite a few weeks, <laughs> but I'm saying I'm here with my co-host. Oh, oh, daddy, it's your boy, Andy Bivians. It's B-I-V-I-A-N-S, for I am the one true, whoa, daddy of Studio Woe, and your American icon. And tonight, tonight, we are going to explore, because we're on episode 74, whoa, daddy. Whoa, daddy. <laughs> wow. Well, Andy, uh... This is this is nice to be on the podcast with you again. I I I've missed talking to you. I feel like it's been a minute. Yeah. I know. I mean, we talk every day, but like not on the podcast. That's true. That is very true. And a lot of things have been happening since you and I have been on the podcast together. I mean, there's been a couple of Know Thy Neighbor episodes. There's been a wrestling episode with me and Brent. You did a couple of Know Thy Neighbor episodes with like Brandon. Awesome. Kind of jealous that you got to be with him, but I'm sure we'll do a. I'm sure we'll do a podcast in the studio together Facts. shortly. Facts. He's been wanting to uh, to come on and and talk with everybody. So, and he's huge into comics. So I think our next comic episode, we uh, we might have to invite him on because he knows it. He, me and him went down a rabbit hole one night. So uh, it would be very interesting to see the dynamic of that. Were were <laughs> well. Before we jump into like anything else, I just want to say, just because we're here together, um, want to remind everyone to like, share, rate, review, comment, and subscribe to Disaster Party Podcast on all social media platforms, including YouTube. And you could see our uh, we look a little different because we're using a different program. So you're going to have to give us some feedback on what you think, if it looks better, if it looks worse, if we sound better, if we sound worse, because obviously we're trying something new. And that's how you grow. You learn. Um, but for some upcoming episodes, I know we have a lot going on right now. Um, we have today, we are going to review Disney Plus Moon Knight. Uh, next week, we will be dropping our Doctor Strange full spoiler review. We wanted to wait maybe two weeks, let people see it. And I think uh, Shawnee D and B-Rent are coming on. Uh, I believe after that, we are going to be doing AEW Double or Nothing. And then out of order, I don't know what order they're going to be in, but we have a couple of other uh, Know Thy Neighbors uh, already locked up. Uh, we have LFA Marv is finally, finally coming back on after dancing around with us for quite a few. Uh, we are going to review Paramount Plus's Halo series. And if you haven't watched it, Master Chief loses his virginity, man. I saw that. So, All right, I such read a romantic. That. Such a romantic scene. Ooh. Anyways, we'll go into that. We'll go into that. Um, but we have a lot of stuff coming up. We have a lot of stuff. I think we are the most well-prepared we have ever <laughs> been in our entire lifetime as a podcast. We have about eight or nine episodes either recorded already or already like locked and loaded. So get ready for some Fast and Furious, lots of episodes, 
if you again, as always, if you have any episode ideas that you want us to cover, I know that we still have to plan our bad movie reviews with nice. Shawnee D and B Rent. I'm sure we'll talk about it uh, next week. So yeah, this is a lot. Like, but hey, Andy, Andy, Andy. Well, enough with the plugs. How's life been since since uh, a couple weeks ago? Life. I know you're in the new studio. Life has been uh, life has been crazy, but life has been awesome. Like, um, with this new studio, it gives me the opportunity to have tools at our dispense that we can make the show better and add more stuff to the show. So, like, I can come here and get locked in for six hours and have it feel like forty five minutes. It's wild. Um, so I'm excited to show you guys some of that new stuff. Um, yeah, other than that, life's been cool. I've been uh, walking around like Penguin for like the last like three weeks, which sucks. Uh, my knee kind of looks like the size of uh, basketball, so that's fun. Um, that's not fun. No, not at all. Not at all. Especially when you like, you can't like bend it. Like it's swollen so much that like I can't bend my knee at all. So you never know, like, the small little things that you can't do, like sitting on a couch or getting in and out of a car when you can't bend your leg. Like, I put my foot underneath my other my other foot, and then I just use that to move my leg. It's, yeah, it sucks. Yeah, it doesn't sound like fun it at all. It sucks. But other than that, life's been pretty good. Can't complain. That's good, man. What about you? How have you been? Uh, same old shit, still looking for a house, still trying to sell this house, still doing wedding planning. Uh, something exciting, uh, oh. for those, uh, we booked my bachelor party and, uh, we are going to, dun, 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 Chicago to go see a White Sox game and to go see the AEW pay-per-view Forbidden Door. Ooh. And that's, so couple guys are going to go that we booked that that's exciting uh yeah besides that man uh i mean you know i talk about it but crypto markets down nfts markets down stock markets down and i'm still buying this is the perfect time to get out right because everything is dropping no we it's the perfect run. time to get in it's the perfect time to get in not out oh but it's dropping why would we get in now oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> Hey, uh, what they say in the market is you're not going to make it, not going to make it, NGMI, not going to make it. If you're selling on a bear market, NGMI, boy. Not going to make it. Not going to make it. Not going to make it. I grabbed another creep. Did you, you said you were going to. I did. Did I show it to you? <laughs> you didn't show it to me. But you did say. Oh, I'm showing it to you. You said you were, you were going to figure out a way to grab another one because everything I'm going to try to. I'm. I'm going to try to grab another one, but I don't know if I can. All right. Tell me this is not perfect for me, okay? Okay. That's fantastic. That's that's you. Bro, they, 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 they turned you. That's fantastic. Oh, snap. Oh, He's got a backwards hat. I got hat. a backwards hat. The same hat, too, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, perfect. <laughs> And then as soon as I bought it, it went up in value. I was like, that's the way you do it. Because they were waiting for you to buy your own creep. Dude, I, I mean, I, I don't know if I told you. You saw, okay, I, off topic. And then well, I swear we're going to Moon Knight. But this is exciting. We haven't talked about it. Uh, there's a crypto coin called Luna. 
Okay. And it crashed a hundred percent. It was a hundred and nineteen dollars, and it crashed to point zero 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 one. That's devastating. Like just crashed. <laughs> and I said, I said, I'm gonna. I had a couple of dollars on like an exchange. I'm like, I'm gonna throw that in the exchange. I'm gonna just throw it to the coin. It's down so much. I'm just gonna throw it. And if it if it does nothing, it does nothing. Dude, I turned eight dollars into enough money to buy another creep. That's wild. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah, and then I took I took that, I sold it, I bought Ethereum, I went and bought my creep. And then my creep went up in value by eleven hundred dollars in less than ten hours. That's insane. Got it. It's the DJ and play, bro. Sometimes they work out. Sometimes they don't. <laughs> this time it did. Yeah. So you don't buy in the, or you don't sell in the dip. You buy in the dip. Unless something you buy shoots up eighty thousand percent, then you sell it. You just sell well, it. Well, yeah. You just you just. Sell it's not it. going to go any higher than that. At that moment in time, <laughs> ever. <laughs> That's dope, though. <sighs> yeah, it's been a good big, big couple days on that one, but yeah, there you go. Yeah, gonna try another. You still got to get one. Bro. I still do. I think. Uh, I think they're gonna be out of reach if you haven't been saving up for. It. Probably, probably, but there's still those other ways where you can get pieces here and there. I remember, yeah. if I remember correctly, so. Yeah, we'll have to do a season two recap because the season one episode did pretty well, actually really well. So we're gonna have to do a, a an episode two, okay, on creeps and just kind of touch up on what's going on. But again, we have so many other episodes planned that might just be on a back burner. It might just be a bonus episode or something. Oh, maybe something good will happen in creeps, and it's just like bam, we drop it. There's stuff coming on, but. I'll keep you posted. You know I will. All right. All right. So let's focus. Let's focus. Let's focus. Let's focus. Today, we're not here to talk about the studio. Today, we are not here to talk about me buying and selling my house or buying a creep or any of that. Today, we are here to talk about Moon Knight. Moon Knight. Disney Plus. I will tell you, this is the one character... Of all the active Disney movies and Disney shows that I did not know anything about. I agree. I was in the same boat. So just a quick premise of the show is there's a character called Mark Spector, which we'll go into. But he is a mercenary who has DID, which is Dissociative Identity Disorder, and he is drawn into a deadly mystery involving Egyptian gods with multiple altars, uh, um, multiple not altars, but multiple personalities. And one of them is Stephen Grant. And we will go into it. Oh, Stephen! This is this is starring Oscar Isaac, who, from where I first saw or recognized him, was Star Wars. But my brother was telling me that he was the evil doctor in that movie sucker punch i don't think i've seen and that was like his big first movie i didn't realize that i actually forgot that he was in star wars until you just said it now really yeah yeah i completely forgot about that that's dope yep yep and then we have um 
May Kalamai as Layla, uh, his love interest. And then we have um, Ethan Hawke as Arthur Harrow. And, you know, just some, those are like the three main uh, characters in the show. So before we jump in, what is your opinion overall of the show? And then we can go into more details. I thought it was pretty good. It started out really um, confusing a little bit, uh, but it picked up. And then when it started getting into the show, like everything got crazy and wild. And then I'm still confused about something, but I'll wait until we get to that part to be like, okay, what is this? But uh, no, no, I thought it was good. I thought it was great. Um I like to see where it leads on the big screen in the MCU, if it does. Okay. I agree. Um, it was very confusing for for quite a bit. Um, I didn't know what was going on for quite a bit. And then it all <laughs> cleared itself up. And then I was like, oh, that makes more sense now. Wait so, a second. But I think overall it was a good show. It had... It was not like any other Disney shows. It was more dark, definitely. I mean, there, there was like blood and gore and not, I mean, maybe not gore, but definitely death and darker tones than, let's just say, Loki or um, WandaVision or even uh, Winter Soldier. Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah. And it was like, it was a standalone. I don't think they talked about any of the other superheroes or Marvel characters at all. Yeah, I think it was just it was just um and it took place in London and also Egypt. <laughs> oh, and then the Austrian Alps, the Austrian Alps, I guess. Good old Egypt. All yeah. that sand. <laughs> but this is there it's only a six episode series so we can run through each episode kind of give us our give our thoughts and then our final thoughts at the end let's do it let's do it uh, you want to take episode one uh if you want to yeah go for it okay all right so episode one was called the goldfish problem uh it aired on march 30th 2022 and we it opens with Stephen grant who you can see as like um a mild-mannered, kind of insecure British fella. And that's um, Isaac, or Oscar Isaac. And he's working at the British Museum in London, and where he hopes to become a tour guide. And you can clearly see that he knows a lot about like the Egyptian culture, he knows about the gods, and you could see that he knows about it. And he even tells his boss at one point that like the toys or whatever was not a correct representation of what really the Egyptian stuff was, and they were just like, ah, shut up. So, um, again, he just seemed like a normal guy. And then you get to his apartment, and you see like he ties himself to his bed. He puts like a sand circle around his bed. He has all these different locks. And you're like, what? What is that? I don't really understand that. And then all of a sudden, he goes to sleep, and he wakes up in, in like the Austrian Alps and he's like a he's like watching this weird cult that's being led by the character Arthur Harrow who ends up being the villain and 
I get this is this is the reason why it's very confusing. So like he he doesn't know how he gets there. We don't know how he gets there. And then all of a sudden he has this like golden scarab thing that uh Haro or Arthur wants. And he it's this weird thing like he's like he wakes up and he's running away from these gunmen. And all of a sudden he ends up in the town where this cult is like meeting and they can tell that somebody didn't belong and then Haro did like this like I don't know this chant and everyone like bowed down except for Stephen Grant and then they realized that he had the scarab and he's like I don't know how I got this and he's like here take it take it take it and I you could see that he's like being controlled by something else right and his arm keeps janking his arms keep janking then all of a sudden he gets out of this little thing and he like passes out wakes up and then there's a whole bunch of dead gunmen around him and all the rest of the citizens are like uh, and he's just got blood all over him, and he doesn't know what happened. We don't know what happened. We're just like, what is happening? So he has a couple different blackouts, like I said, and he's trying to escape, and he kills him. And then all of a sudden, he is like in a car, almost like an ice cream truck or something, and he's racing down the road. There, he's getting chased after, and he keeps blacking out. And when he wakes up, more people are dead. He blacks out, more people are dead, and then he starts hearing this voice of again, we don't know who it is at this point. Who's basically saying, like, let him fight, let him fight. So he eventually blackout, blacks out again, ends up into, into in his apartment. And he finds – he hears a phone ringing and he finds a phone in, like, hidden in his apartment with a key card in his apartment. And he receives a, uh, a bunch of calls from a number and it's a woman named Layla. He calls Layla back and she's like, Mark, Mark, like, where are you? And he's like, I don't know who Mark is. And again, <laughs> we're like, what is happening? So <laughs> the next day he goes back to work. Haro follows him or Arthur Haro follows him to work. And he's confronted to him and reveals that I guess um, Stephen is now a servant or has been a servant for the goddess oh no he is a servant haro is a servant for the goddess admit a m m i t and grant again stephen escapes from haro but is forced to remain at work that night on his own to make up for being late because of everything that just happened and then all of a sudden haro summons a jackal-like creature which is kind of <laughs> cool to attack grant and but then uh stephen looks into the reflection and the somebody his own reflections like let me take over your body and he's like what are you talking about and again so here's the thing steven has an english accent mark who we find out he's talking to has an english like a uh, uh, american accent so he's like all right give me your body give me your body and he takes it over and all of a sudden he's like in the full moon knight get up and he's fighting this thing and then what layla was there too right uh, no no not yet no layla wasn't there yet so he's basically fighting this thing and then all like he ends up killing the jackal and it's like this cool bat battle scene and the jackal falls on like a big spike on top of a building, right? Mm -hmm. And and you're just like what is happening? <laughs> like you're not really understanding the multiple personalities, you're not really understanding his powers, you're not really understanding where he got it. You, it's very all over the place, as yeah. I can say. I feel like within this one like with um even with his multiple personalities, you weren't sure like if it was just him or if it was like um, 
Uh, I can't think of a Marvel version, but for the DC fans, like uh, uh, Storm, where you had Firestorm, where it's like two people, but they're in one body, but they're both coexisting together. Like you didn't know if they were two people or if it was just one person. Like it was very, it was very confusing. But there was a lot that happened. I think in that first episode, overall. Mm-hmm. Yep. And yeah, just a lot happened. Uh, any thoughts on like the the episode as a whole? Um, I did like the fact that they never showed him in the suit until the end of the episode. Like you heard the voices, you heard him fighting. He was like, "I don't know what's going on." I thought it was a dream. Like he was just dreaming the entire, the entire thing. He, like you said, he woke up. And he was still chained in the bed. Like he didn't move anywhere. Um, but now, yeah, no, I thought it was cool. Yeah, I agree with that. It's like you, you. He clearly did some fighting throughout the episode because every time he woke up, there was dead people. So, but it never showed them to you so then at the end when he was in costume and he killed the jackal thing it actually showed him fight and it was weird because the jackal was invisible mm-hmm. so like he it like it was weird because he was fighting an invisible jackal in his moon knight costume and they would show the perception of outside people <laughs> and they're like oh he's just drunk and he's just fighting like the air yeah and yeah. it was just kind of funny on how, <laughs> like, but yeah, I thought it was interesting enough because it was definitely like, what the fuck is going on? Mm-hmm. But it was interesting enough to want to continue watching. So as you were going over this, you made me realize what happened in a certain episode. And I'll say it later on uh, when we get there. But okay. now it makes complete sense. Is that the thing you were going to ask earlier? Nope. Still confused about that part. (laughs) But something they said later on now makes perfect sense. Okay. But but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll say it when we get, when we get to that part. Got it. All right. You taking episode two? Episode two. Summon the suit. Uh, This might actually have been one of my favorite episodes just because, uh, when, (laughs) well, I'll, I'll tell in a little bit. So Grant's yeah. pretty much blamed for the damage, and there there's cops there the next day, and they're like, you know, oh, we got to go over the footage. So he goes back to go see the footage. Um, but the footage doesn't show the jackal chasing him. It just shows him running throughout the museum like a crazy person. Um, so he's pretty much fired because he destroys everything in the museum. And they think he just went on a destroying spree. And it's funny before them because he's like, oh, you're going to see something that is hard to explain. So I warn you. It's like, it's just you running throughout the museum. I don't understand. Um, but he uses his key card to access like a storage locker uh, where he finds the scarab that he was holding in that ice cream truck from the first episode and realizes, like, he wasn't dreaming it. All of that was real. Um, then his reflection starts be- speaking back to them, and it's his another hits his other identity that's in his body and introduces himself as the American mercenary Mark Spector um, and explains that the current avatar of the Egyptian moon god Kushanu, I think is his name, um, and uh, I feel like it was said differently, but I can't remember. Yeah, Con Konshu. 
Khonshu. 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 Um, so Khonshu is the, is the Egyptian moon god. So uh, Grant is then confronted by Layla, Mark's wife, um, who is unaware of Grant's existence. So she only knows Mark. She doesn't know Grant. Um, so she knows that Mark like kind of disappeared after being arrested by the police officers who were working for Haro. And Haro reveals that he was Kanchu's um, previous avatar until he uh, chose to follow Amit instead. And he explains that he wants to use the scarab to find Amit's tomb so that way he can resurrect her so she can purge humanity of evil by wiping out everybody who will commit evil deeds. Um, so Layla rescues Grant from Haro, but Haro summons yet another jackal um, to go chase after him. <laughs> this part is funny because um, he Grant doesn't want to give Mark um, access to his body or power, and Layla's screaming at it. Layla's like Layla doesn't believe like he doesn't know who he is or he's a different person. She's like, "What's with the English accent?" Um, so she's like, "Summon the suit! Summon the suit!" So he's like, "Fine." So he said, "I forget what he says," and he turns into Moon Knight, but he turns. <laughs> he turns into like Moon Knight with like a three-piece suit, not like the actual Moon Knight suit. And she looks at him, she goes, "That's a new suit." He's like, "What? You said a suit." <laughs> um. So he fights the jackal, and like Rob said in the other uh, episode, pretty much you can't see the jackal, so it looks like he's fighting himself. But people see that he's getting his ass whooped and getting thrown into like buses and trucks and stuff. Um. But um, finally, he gives Spectre control, and he takes over control, and then he uh, they kill the Jackal, but they lose the Scarab because uh, Haro was able to grab it within the fight. And Khonshu threatens to claim Layla as his next avatar if Spectre fails to stop Haro. Um, and that's pretty much where the episode ends. Yeah. So it basically just kind of clarifies that he has two different personalities, and clearly Layla, who is married to Mark, who is one of the the personalities, has no knowledge of Stephen, which is weird, because <laughs> clearly Stephen had a job and like everything else. But there's one thing that I mentioned in episode one is that Haro has like this stick, and it's like the stick of judgment or stick of truth or something like that, and. He basically, in the scene with the cultists, he people volunteered to be judged by him. And he, it's like the weighting scales. Oh, yeah. And, and if uh, – it's, it's like if you are good in life and have a good future ahead of you and you don't – you're not going to – it's like they could see what you've done in life. and But they can also see what you are going to do in the future. So uh, if you are good – up to the current point in your life and good for the rest of your life, you are you are judged fairly and you are a good person in their eyes. And if you have done good things up so far up to your life and then end up doing bad things in the future that you're not even aware of, it basically kills you and drains your life force. Cool, which is wild. And it's like a, just a regular like walking cane. Yeah. <laughs> it just puts like this. Yeah. But yeah, this episode again was just just as confusing because it kind of like cleared up that there is two personalities, but you don't know how he controls it. You don't know why there's two personalities. You don't understand his powers because clearly in the first episode, the moonlight costume had the hood with the cape and like the moon on his chest. 
and then this this episode was a three piece suit with a white mask. Yeah. And the three piece suit with the white mask doesn't understand his powers yet. Like Steven's version of Moon Knight does not understand his powers at his point at this point. Because he does, in his mind it doesn't exist like at all. Yeah. <laughs> you said a suit. What? <laughs> So don't go over dead. All right. <laughs> All right, so let's jump into episode three. Unless you want to add anything. Um. No. Yeah. No. That pretty much covers it. He uh he reminds me of another villain from somewhere too, Haro, but I can't think of who, where. But yeah, no. I'm not sure. That I'm not sure. Episode three. Um. Episode three. All right. So episode three is called The Friendly Type, and this aired April 13, 2022. So now Haro and his followers have finally discovered where Amit's tomb is, and it's in the Egyptian desert Ooh, in Cairo. Ooh. So now Spectre and Grant, so Stephen and Mark, are both experience – have both experienced blackouts while tracking uh, Haro's location. After failing to gain any information, Kanchu calls the council, the council uh, between his fellow Egyptian gods. So now there's like a whole kind of like Illuminati, but it's like a bunch of Egyptian gods. Facts. <laughs> and their avatars, they, he basically calls all the Egyptian gods and their avatars because all these gods have to be in a human. Like that's how they can like maintain on Earth. Um, so to kind of warn them of Haro's plan. So Mark and Steven and Kanchu go there and they go, oh, Haro's trying to do this, Haro's trying to do this. So the gods call Haro in to be like, all right, are you doing this? And obviously he lies and he successfully tricks the gods to believing that it is Kanchu who's actually doing something bad. So um, one of the avatars tells Spectre to find the Sertophagus sarcophagus of Medje who knew the location of Amit's tomb. So Layla and uh Layla finds Mark again and takes him to meet uh with an Anton Mogart. Uh an acquaint an acquaintance who owns the sarcophagus. Oh, okay, now I get it. So basically she knows this guy who owns the sarcophagus the sarcophagus. Yep. Who owns it? And um they go there, whatever, and they're kind of like talking him through it. And he, you can clearly see this guy is like not a good guy, but there's no problems yet. Then all of a sudden, Haro arrives, kind of uh, has this uh, Anton guy turn on Moon Knight and Layla. And they end up destroying the sarcophagus and forcing Spectre, Grant, and Layla to fight off all of the uh, Anton's guys, including Haro's guys. Um, Layla almost gets killed because Anton almost throws a spear into her. And you could see Moon Knight like fighting, just fucking people up the whole scene, <laughs> which is cool. And then Layla's fighting one of Haro's uh, security guys to get to the um, grave. So now um, they escape to the desert and Grant uh, before he leaves, he they were able to grab a piece of cloth or something at the the grave, and I guess that is like a map of kind of how or where 
the grave is. So they basically assemble all these fragments into a star map, but it's 2,000 years ago and it's at a date because, like, the you know, how the skies change and the moon rotate and the earth rotates and all that other stuff. So Kanchu, because he is like the god of the night or something like that, he uses his powers very briefly to turn back the sky's time, not like overall time, just the sky, just to, to, the, to that said night on the map to figure out where Amit's tomb is because they know that Amit's like a bad motherfucker. So um, – so after they do that, they figure out where it is, but the gods, the other gods, imprison Khonshu in uh, basically like a statue of some sort. And that leaves um, Stephen slash Spectre, or yes, Stephen slash Mark, uh, without any power. So now they do not have any Moon Knight powers, and they are left with Layla to figure out how to do this without powers. Yeah, that... Um... That whole episode was awesome, mm-hmm. um, especially seeing uh, Mark's connection with Layla, even though he like was trying to get away from her, seeing her in trouble, and seeing the spear go through him. You kind of realize like, hey, this guy kind of can't die, so to speak. So he had like three or four spears in him <laughs> at that point. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I'm watching um, Stephen and Mark fight with each other while trying to read the map on the sarcophagus. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah. And then the gods were like, oh, we're going to put you into stone if you mess with the powers or mess with the sky again. Um, so seeing him like leave, you're kind of like, all right, where is this going now? But just to describe Conchu. So Conchu was basically this really tall skeleton bird with like a robe on yeah, and a staff, like a half moon staff, which was all white. Yeah. And he had this really daunting voice like this. Steven, you must protect. So I don't want to go back. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it was this episode or the previous, but they show like how uh Steven ends up getting the powers. I'm not sure if we if what episode that in, but we'll we'll touch back if it's not in the next one. I think it's I think it's in the next couple. I think I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. But the the battle scene that um was at Anton's house. It was like they had almost like a medieval times like horse track thing that they did jousting and stuff. So all of that fighting was like in this and they were using like spears and shit. And I was like, what is happening? <laughs> but it was cool because he like he took like the blades off his chest and would just like fuck him up. So that was like it was really cool to see. He pulled it he pulled a Batman, so to speak. It's like Batman oh, had the rider in his chest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He pulled them out, and weren't they like uh, boomerangs? Also, sort of like mm-hmm. when he threw it, like it came back to him. Mm-hmm. So cool. Yeah, it was a really cool one. All right, ready? So we're, we're flying through this because it's we like are. the. Sh- so just to kind of give you the the episode, the 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 whole show was confusing. So there was a lot of like uh, Egyptian god stuff that's like more detailed, but that was like the confusing part. So I would definitely say like if you seem interested after this for the more detailed stuff, definitely go and watch it because there's so much detail in this that a lot there was like a lot of talking, but when the action scenes came, it was it was like boom 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 boom. Yeah, it was like wait a second. Oh, all right. 
here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go, and then there's a stop. Yeah. And then here we go, and here we go, here we go. Yeah. And there's talking. And, and there's talking. And there's talking. Now, talking explained a lot um, for the most part. But then again, it didn't. It did, yeah. but it didn't. Yeah. It's very weird. Yeah. Like, you realize, like, Mark was working with, uh, with, um, Conchiro? Conchu. Uh, Mark and Conchu were working together, but they never specifies how. But then you realize, like, like he said, like, you know, Layla was the next pick. So he was like, I don't want her to go through the same pain that I'm going through. Because they, like, hinted, like, he hated him because of it. So it's kind of cool. Definitely go watch it if you get a chance. So now we're on episode four, The Tomb, which aired April 20th, 2022. So Grant and Layla find a deserted campsite at the location of Amit's tomb, which is a maze in the shape of the Eye of Horus, um, and discovers that some of Haro's men have been killed by the undead Egyptian priest, who then attacked uh, Grant and Layla. Uh, Layla defeats the priest, but encounters Haro, who claims that Spectre was, the one, was one of the mercenaries who murdered the, the archaeologist's father, uh, Abudala El Fauli, um, which was Layla's dad. So, mm-hmm. before I go further, uh, at this point in time in the episode, Layla starts falling for um, Grant. And yeah, instead Grant, of Mark, yeah, and yeah, Stephen instead of Mark. And it was kind of funny because like they like. Mark was kind of like, get away from me. I'm trying to make you safe. And then Grant was like, oh, a pretty girl's talking to me. And she has the same interest as me. And that's the thing, too. Grant was the, or Stephen was the type of guy that was like, hey, I don't talk to any girls. And like in the beginning, he had a date. But then like when he woke up, it was like four days later. And he's like, oh, so he messed up the date. And then like when Layla first meets Stephen, she's like, are we going to do this or what? Here's the divorce papers. And then he's like, I would never divorce you. Mark's like, I'm trying to get away from you to keep you safe. Um, so Mark and Stephen have a conversation about like how Stephen's starting to fall for her. And he's like, if you touch her or kiss her, I will kick you down a cliff. So they wind up sharing like a small little kiss before they go into the cave. And then uh, Layla talks about belaying down the, <laughs> down the cliff. And Layla gets down all nice and neat. And then all of a sudden you see the rope drop. And then you see Steven's body drop. <laughs> kind of like Mark threw him off the cliff because they kissed. Uh, I thought that was pretty funny. That was really funny. Um, so uh, Grant finds the tomb and discovers that uh, Amit's avatar was the last uh, avatar. Was the last avatar of Alexander the Great. And he retrieves Amit's uh, Ushabdi from inside. Ushabdi? 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 From inside Alexander's body, which is like through his mouth. Um, Layla then angrily confronts uh, Spectre, who reveals that his partner killed Layla's father and. pretty much shot Mark before Kanchu uh, revived Mark as his avatar. 
Harrow arrives and shoots Mark, uh, who wakes up in a psychiatric hospital populated by people from his life after escaping from Harrow, who appears to be the therapist in the hospital. Um, Mark finds Stephen in a separate body trapped in a sarcophagus. They also see a second sarcophagus with someone else trapped inside before being greeted by a female hippopotamus-headed figure. So, as I'm reading that, it's all becoming clear to me. It was still still confusing as fuck and very, like, abrupt. And I can't say anything now because then it'll spoil the rest of this. But remind me to go back to that scene at the end. Um, But, yeah, that was the end of uh, that that episode, and I was very confused by the um, asylum. Extremely confused by the asylum. And it only gets worse later on. My confusion, that is. Because... Yes. Yeah. But this whole episode was, like, interesting, because, like, clearly they were... They understood that they needed to stop Haro. So they did all they you know they went there they tried to figure it out before Haro got there and all that stuff and even Mark who knew that he didn't have his powers was still willing to stand up to like the villains yeah and even Haro was trying to taunt like Layla and you know trying to be like oh well I knew your father and she's like really and like kind of you could see like she got a little thrown off by that and then you could see how she was like hiding while he got shot and. It was, yeah, later on, the whole um, psychiatrics place kind of made sense. Nope. <laughs> See, to, me it, to me, it did. Kind of. No, because the ending really just, the ending ending made it not make sense. I understand the ending more now. But again, now that you're saying that, it completely makes sense now. Sort of. It doesn't. But sort we'll get of. into it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I want to talk about it, but I can't because if I do, like that kills episode right, five so and let's, six. Let's, let's run let's, through. Yeah, let's run through five and six because five and six are all four, five, and six are just like a continuation. So yeah. episode five, asylum. So now they're in the asylum, and if you remember at the end of that episode four, they Stephen and Mark are both there, right? Like they break out of Haro's like uh, psychiatric room, and then they're running down the hallway, and then they run into like a hippopotamus head of woman. <laughs> In an Egyptian goddess, bo- I don't know. It was like a, a humanoid hippo, right? And um, the god's name was Tawit, Tawit, I don't know, um, who explains that Spectre and Grant are dead and that the psychiatric hospital is a boat sailing through Duit, which is like an Egyptian, which is the Egyptian afterlife. So I get that. That I understood. And when we get to the ending, I will explain why I don't understand anymore. But then yeah. – No, it does make sense. Okay. I will clear that up. I just got it in my head. So she weighs – she basically is like, hey, we have to weigh your heart on the scales of justice, very similar to Haro's like uh, rod. 
and to determine whether they um, can enter the field of reeds, but the hearts are imbalanced by hidden memories that uh, she suggests they explore together to understand why, right? So now it this is where like the the confusion kind of clears up. So now Grant, so Stephen, the English, the British guy, uh, sees a memory of Spectre Mark, uh, his younger brother Randall, being killed uh, by drowning, and then Spectre's or Mark's mom just blaming him for it and just being an just a monster toward him. And it wasn't his fault. Like they went. They went into like some cave, and they probably did something they weren't supposed to do. But it wasn't the kid's fault. It was like it's just an unfortunate event, right? Yeah. And the mother just like it just showed him like going through his childhood of like every birthday, like she would just ignore him. She became an alcoholic, mistreated him, all this stuff, and um, yeah. Oh no, and then so basically because of that. Uh, Mark went into like the assassin. He went to the military and then got out of the military, became an assassin. So basically, uh, Mark shows Stephen how Kanchu uh, helped him survive on a mission and took over his body and made it the Avatar. So basically, um, on this mission is where Layla's dad was there and got murdered. And the whole mission, and like Steven got hurt and you could see him. He like crawled into this like cave, which was ended up being Conchu's cave. And Conchu was like, do you want to live? And he said, yes. And then he took over his body, which is how he got all the powers. So now um, Spectre and Grant are now convincing the hippo god to help them return to the living world so they can help stop Sparrow. And she steers the boat toward the gate of Osiris, and Spectre reluctantly explains that he has unknowingly created Grant as a result of his mother's abuse. And they actually showed this. They, they basically showed that every time he interacted with his mother, he watched, he like watched this television show of this explorer, Stephen Grant. And every time his mother interacted with him, you can see like something in his head switch. And then he would talk to his mother in uh, like, he would basically pretend any bad thing that happened to him uh, went away when he was Stephen Grant, and all of the abuse that he went through was uh, handled by the personality of Mark Spector. So Stephen Grant, throughout the whole series, he's calling his mother, and they then you think that he has a great relationship with his mother is because it's all made up, and it was like wow. a coping mechanism of his to kind of. Uh, like push down these like hidden memories. So Stephen Grant had no idea. And then Mark has all this weight on his shoulders of seeing his brother die, seeing his mom's abuse, being an assassin, like all the stuff. And Stephen had the normal life. It was very weird, but it like cleared it up a lot. Um, so Grant and, and uh, Grant and Mark reconcile, reconcile with each other, but their scales fail to balance and a bunch of hostile spirits attack them on this boat. Like it, it ends up being like an actual boat. And um, it's a boat over like a desert. So the spirits attack and um, Grant actually uh, 
sacrifices himself to stave Mark. And you can see uh, Grant tackles one of these spirits off the boat, and they hit the sand, and he almost – he basically turns to stone. So once he turns to stone, the balance the, – the scales balance, which then allows um, the, uh, the door of the field of reeds to open, which basically allows him to come back to life. Because I th I think the reason why I did it is because technically um, Stephen is a made-up personality for Mark. And by one of the personalities, whether Mark or Stephen, by one of them going away, it gives him balance back to his life, which then allowed the door to open. Yeah. That was how I did it. Um, yeah, I think when he, so they show like his mom's funeral and his dad's looking through the window and sees Mark standing outside and he's kind of like drinking and his dad's like, come up. And he's like, nah. And then all of a sudden something flips in. So like in the beginning when you see like Steven and Mark switch between each other that happens, and then he picks up the phone and starts talking to his mom. And I think uh, he goes back into a time before, maybe when he was younger, mixing that with like his older self. And from that moment on, that's when he was Stephen. I think he got arrested by the cops as Mark right before his mother's death, and that's why he didn't go up there. Um, and it's just interesting why. that Stephen didn't even realize his mother was dead. Oh, no, he, he thought his mother was alive. The whole like, time. Had perfect conversation. It's actually very sad. Like, when you watch this whole thing play out, it's so sad. But, um, uh, yeah, he, uh, that whole, that whole fight on the boat was awesome, too. She was like, I'm sorry, I can't do this. And the, the sand demons start jumping on the boat. Kind of reminded me of an episode of, uh, or a movie of, um, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Mm, I could see that. I um, could see that. But it's also like, it was just like you said, it was like, this episode wasn't full of action, but it was deep. Like, this was deep. Like, it was like childhood trauma of seeing your brother die, childhood trauma of his abusive mother in more ways than one. You could see the trauma that his mother had um, because of the death of his brother. And then you could see his dad trying to just hold the pieces together and it just wasn't enough because of the, the extremes were too much. You got to think like the dad who was trying to be a normal person had his wife become this like ragey alcoholic. And then he had his son who then like a coping mechanism was to pretend he wasn't even him. Yeah. Like, that's got to be a lot. And they didn't even, like, they barely even touched on the dad's perspective. But, like, just imagining what that guy, the dad was dealing with, with the two ends. Like, pretty insane. It's wild. Wild. Um, you just feel the pain of the dad, too. Like, having to watch him go through all this and trying to make everything normal. Uh it was good though. It was it was it was cool because I felt like they took they told a whole backstory, or like a whole like um, pilot story within one episode. Which yeah, is dope. yeah. It was like origin story, 
mixed with like how he got his power, like all of it. It was like gorgeous. Yeah. Like his childhood, how he got his powers, how he ended up where he was. And all then a redemption. Episode. It was like the whole thing. It was like, yeah, it was like childhood, powers, struggle, redemption. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it was good. Now we are on the sixth and last episode of Moon Knight called Gods and Monsters, which appeared May 4th, 2022. This was a wild episode. I feel like everything in its mother happened in this episode. Um, so Haro frees Amit and kills the avatar of the other Egyptian gods. Like He just full-blown Order 66 all of them. Uh, for you Star Wars fans, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, so Layla, Layla finds Conchu's, um, Conchu's uh, stone that they've created him into, and she smashes it and releases him. Um, Spectre refuses to stay in the field of reeds and returns to Duat to rescue Grant. Um, so he pretty much, with uh, Twart's help, they escape. Uh, back towards the gates, but the doors are closed. He winds up jumping off the boat to find uh, Steven. Find Steven's like um, like sand body hand reaching out, and like he joins hands because his body's now starting to turn to stone. And then finally, like their heart is returned to them somehow, and that's what opens up the gate. Like they become pure and whole. Um, so then. Um, uh, Mark tells Tuat to, you know, let Layla know what's going on and what's happening and to, like, free, um, to free, uh, Conchu. And then Layla discovers that Amit can be rebounded by multiple avatars. So, agrees to become the temporary avatar of Tuate. So, now they're, now she's bound with the hippo. Layla. Um, so they join Spectre and Grant and Kanchu in fighting Haro and Amit, and Haro overpowers uh, Spectre and Grant, but they experience a blackout, during which time they somehow defeat Haro. So they don't know how they defeated him. They just blacked out and defeated him. Mm-hmm. Um, but then um, Spectre and Layla steal Amit and Har- or seal Amit in Haro's body, and imprisoning her in Kanchu's surges uh, Spectre to execute Haro and Amit. Um... Spectre refuses and orders Kanchu to release him and Grant from their services uh, as he has done his due diligence and his duties on what he needed to do. Um, so the pair find themselves in the hospital where they reject the vision and choose to continue their new life together as heroes. Um, Before we go there. Yep. Okay, so there's a lot in this episode. Like, when uh, Layla had the statue, she broke it, and then um, Kanshu was like, let I want, uh, let me, uh, no, he basically was like, uh, let me use you as an avatar. And she was like, no, I don't want <laughs> to. I didn't want them to. I, I clearly know what you did to them, and I'm not going to let you do that to me. And he's like, okay, we'll figure it out. And then as Haro and Amit is like, she's a alligator right so she's like an alligator woman and uh so Kanchu starts fighting the amit in the throne like the throne room right and Kanchu's getting his ass beat and but Layla told Kanchu before the fight that you know 
Spectre and uh, Grant were dead. So he's like, all right, well, I have to just do what I can, right? And then all of a sudden, when he gets brought back to life, you can see Khonshu, like, in the middle of the battle with Amit, was like, I could feel him. And then, like, instantly, like, just teleported to him. <laughs> got him back, and you see the bullets fall out of, like, Mark or or Steven. And then he's like, all right, let's do this. And then... um uh, Moon Knight, let's just call him Moon Knight now. Uh, he goes, well, how am I supposed to get there? And he goes, you forgot I'm the god of the night or something. And he opens up his cape and ends up like flying to Cairo or whatever it is to go help the fight. So while this is all happening, uh, that's when Layla uh, gets the avatar or becomes the avatar of the hippo. And now at this point, before any battle starts, Harrow is on top of like a pyramid with his staff trying to basically get the souls of people. So basically every single person in Cairo um, were getting judged at the same time. So again, those weighting scales. So the people that are just bad, whether they, they committed it currently or in the future, whether they knew that they were going to do it or not, they were getting all sacrificed. You just see all these souls getting fed into – Amit, and she's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Then the fight between giant Amit and giant Kanshu, like in the middle of the desert, next to this <laughs> like city, just starts happening. And at the same time, that's when Haro and um, Layla and Moon Knight end up fighting together. And it was interesting because like Layla and Moon Knight were fighting together really well, and they were fighting all like the sidekick and the henchman. And then you see like uh, Layla get pins down, but now she, because she is now uh, the Avatar, she gets a whole new outfit, and she gets these like wings, and she's like using it almost like Captain America, like guarding the, from the bullets. And and then all of a sudden, like they're just not winning. And like Andy said, there was a blackout. All of a sudden, Haro and all the guys are just knocked out or killed. And even Layla is like, what just happened? And he's like, <laughs> I don't know. So then at that point, they go, uh, Kanchu's like, kill Haro because that will kill Amit. And they were like, no, I'm not doing that. Um, we're not listening to you anymore. We stopped it, blah, blah, blah. Because they basically put Amit's, Amit in Haro's body, similar to Kanchu in Mark Spector's body and Stephen Grant's body. And then, like Andy said, they're in the hospital, and you're like, okay, cool. And they come to the realization that they're going to live with both of them. Like, they're going to live in unison. So, now, though, in the post-credit scene, <laughs> remember I said I was confused, but now I don't think I am. Yep. I think because Harrow was left alive and knocked around. You could see he was fucked up. I think he ended up in a psych ward because he was talking crazy, but for some reason I don't think Amit's powers were able to control his body for some reason. Right? And then all of a sudden you see him being taken out of said a psych hospital, but there's dead guards and stuff. And then there's people walking in the hospital like no big deal, like no one saw these dead guards, but you can clearly see them. And then he gets put in uh, – Haro gets put in a limousine and you realize that it is um, Stephen Grant or Mark Spector. 
And you're like, what? Oh, no, no, no. Actually, he gets put in the limo. And Haro's like, what are you going to do? Kill me? And and Kanchu is sitting in the limo. And he goes, no, I won't. But he will. And then from the driver's seat in the limo, <laughs> turning around is what you think is Mark and Steven. But then it is revealed by Kanchu that this is Jake Lockley. And he just pulls the gun out and just kills Haro in the back of the limousine. And they drive off. And so then it reveals that Jake Lockley is a third personality of Steven and um, Mark. Steven and uh, Mark that we did not know about. But in reality, we did know about him. But he was never defined. Because if you remember, in the first episode, when he kills all those people in the cult city, he aggressively kills all those people, right? Yeah. And then when he gets blacked out, when in this episode, when all of the villains are like killed except for Haro, even Steven and Mark are like, we didn't do that. Yep. <laughs> so there, or, there was like two or three scenes that people got brutally murdered that Mark and Steven thought it was each other, but they didn't realize it until after they like unified that they could be like, that wasn't either of us. And they actually believed each other. Because before that, they would be like, Steven was like, why did you kill all those people? And he'd be like, I didn't. And But they didn't believe each other. Yeah. So now, right at the end, they reveal he has like a third the most aggressive version of their of them that just murders people like he is like literally uh like a hitman so you know what's funny about that i bet you there's another scene that you didn't realize where you saw him but you didn't see him oh when they're walking through the hospital and mark takes steven out of sarcophagus and they're walking through the hospital and there's another sarcophagus that's moving, but they don't open that sarcophagus. I think that third one was Jake Lockley. Okay. That he just got stuck in. You're there. right. That's <laughs> Yeah, that's that's very true. There was that room and then that's where Steven got Mark out of, right? Or yep. it was vice versa, or Mark got Steven out of one of them. Mark got Steven out of one of them. And then um they pass it together and they see another one moving. They're just like, nope, nope, we're not opening that. And they just keep moving. They never open that uh, sarcophagus. I thought it was Layla, but Layla doesn't make sense if that was the realm of the dead. If that was the realm yeah. of the dead, it would have been Jake because Jake would have died along with those two. Yeah. When Mark and Steven got shot. And when they're on the um, the top of the the tomb in one of the episodes, or one of the houses in Egypt, and they're fighting that gang, and they oh. black out and they kill the gang. And he's like, "I thought I told you no killing." He's like, "I didn't kill him." Oh yeah, because there was a point. I don't remember where it falls in, but oh no, it was when he came. I don't know. It was by when himself. Yeah, it was just by himself, and he goes to this gang to look for information. He targets the youngest guy, and then he kills all the other guys. And then Contra was like, he will talk. He will talk. So all of a sudden, he blacked out. He holds the guy up like over a cliff, and the guy like – no, the guy like 
he hits his hands and makes him drop them. And then Contra's like, I did not expect that from him. <laughs> I thought, I really thought he would talk. Yeah. <laughs> and then the only other thing that I'm really confused about is, is the, is, is the psychiatric ward real? Or is that just all in their head? I think their version of the psych ward was in the death realm. And I think that's why there were scenes that Harrow was the psych, like the psych or the psychiatrist. And they needed to break out of that, like, repeat in order to, to visualize the actual, like, land of the dead where they get on the boat. I feel like they were trapped in like mm-hmm. almost like a purgatory until they realized that it wasn't real. And then that's when they got on the ship. But then I was confused at one point. I was like, oh, why, why was Harrow, which appeared to be in like the same psych ward, but I think it was because he was so beaten up, probably brain damaged, and then also had uh, Amit in him. So I wonder if he was on life support. And the psychiatric ward was like the end of the line. For who? All of them. Anybody who had a who had an Egyptian spirit in them. Like he was beaten so bad that he was like at the end of the line of his life. But, but Haro was actually in a psych ward, which is how Jake got him out to put him in the limo to kill him. But it seemed like the same psych ward though. It did. Yeah, it did. But I think the difference is, and I, I spotted this, is that in in Stephen and Mark's psych ward, if you notice, all of the people that were in there were people that he, he had interactions with. So like yeah. his boss from the, the, um, from the uh, museum was there. The girl that he was supposed to go on the date with was there. Layla, I believe, was in there too. So it was like a bunch of people he interacted with. Unlike Harrow, like all the Harrow, the people that were in Harrow were like not any of his disciple people. Gotcha. That I mean, right. that's how I saw it, at least. Yeah, I got really confused by that point. <laughs> yeah, that's why at one point I was like, "Wait, uh, okay, okay, I figured it out." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that was that was uh, Moon Knight. Like it left on a big cliffhanger. Like clearly that country still has control. So and we don't know anything about Jake Lockley. So I'm assuming if there is a season two, they're gonna have to go into like uh, you know uh, a deep dive on how he was created because we clearly got how Stephen was created and and see like what the story of season two would be because this whole season was to stop Emmett. Mm-hmm. And at the post credit scene, he stopped Amit by killing Haro. And that's what they said. If they kill Haro, then Amit is destroyed. So I don't know where they're going to go from this. Uh, it's taking place in Egypt and Cairo and like kind of like Europe side, like, you know, eastern parts of the world. And m- most of the Avengers stuff takes place in, you know, west, western. I wonder who the real person is, though. Real person, Mark, Stephen, or Jake? They made it seem they made it. They, I feel like they really established that Mark was the real one because he was the one that witnessed his brothers died, his trauma with his mom, and that the reason why Stephen was even created was to cover up the trauma. I'm excited to see how Jake was created, then. 
Yeah, like me, I'm excited too. It's just like it was just interesting because it doesn't tie in with any of the other Marvel films. Um, clearly, it's very Egyptian god tied in. So I'm not really sure how that would play a role in any of the Marvel films. His powers are tied to an Egyptian god. You know, I. It was definitely a good show. It was dark. It was confusing. Um, psychological. It was like a psychological, like mystery theater, like mystery, uh, not theater, but you know, it was. But overall, it was really good. Uh, definitely a superhero, but more. I would say it took itself more serious. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, uh, it had its comic moments here and there, but it was more of like a, like a, almost like a. Indiana Jones feel to it. And it was cool how he played three different characters. Yeah. Well, too, I might add. <laughs> and if I remember correctly, I think Jake had a, like an Irish accent. Yeah. Yeah, he was like from the mob type deal. But like like I, I like one of those like uh, how how can I explain it? Like one of those like Irish mobsters. Yeah. He had like the hat, like the, the Irishman suspenders. Yeah, yeah, like the Irishman. Yeah, but yeah, I overall, it. I I enjoyed it. I'd say definitely go watch it. It was, I'd say it's up there. I mean, I didn't hate any of the the dark the Disney uh, series, like the TV shows. But all see to me though, and that's the difference is that Loki ties in, WandaVision ties in, and uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier ties into the MCU. I just don't see how this one ties in yet. Probably will eventually. And it doesn't explain the timeline, like where it is, like if it's... Oh, I think it's after Thanos. I believe I heard something that said like after the blip, like in the first episode. But if I that's the right. case, that is it. That is the only thing that they've mentioned for any other one. I think you're right. Oh, I think Steven says something about not being able to find a date since the blip or having been the same since the blip. Yeah, yeah. But besides that, like nothing else that ties in. That's wild. Yeah. That's wild. So I gave my overall thoughts. Overall thoughts, if you have anything to add. Um, this actually might be the first show that I'd actually go back and like rewatch over again. Like... I think it was that good. Um, I mean, the other ones were good too, but not one that like I would want to go back and watch a second time. This one, it had your it had your comedy spots, it had your your action, it had um, backstory, especially being like a brand new character telling a entire backstory in one episode. I thought it was really cool. Um, almost a Spider-Man effect where they did all the shows and then restarted Spider-Man in the last one, um, which I'm still a huge fan of. Uh, no, yeah, I thought it was cool. Definitely go check it out. I agree. And they, there's a lot of uh, the upcoming Marvel stuff is, is looking good. We have... Um, oh, what is it? I just took a photo of it. It's... We left this year... We still have um, oh the Miss Marvel TV show. We still have I got it right here. So we have Miss Marvel June eighth. So that's coming up. We have okay. Thor uh, Love and Thunder in July. We have She Hulk TV show in 
August, and then Wakanda Forever, November. Let's go. So there's a lot of uh, Marvel stuff still coming around. Uh, You don't know how they're going to tie into anything. I mean, I hope they tie in to kind of – because like I was saying, Shang-Chi still hasn't been mentioned since his movie. And normally they don't go that long without even touching base with some of the characters, especially new characters that they're trying to establish. They're going to have to mention him eventually. And the last time you see Shang-Chi is at the post credit scene and he's with Wong and Bruce Banner. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, well, I won't say anything just yet. Yeah, not just yet. we're coming up on it. Yeah, we're coming coming up. up We're going to do that Doctor Strange one next week and see if he shows up. (laughs) I'm going to have to rewatch it again. Yeah, I think I'm going to rewatch it again too. Yeah. I agree. No, I thought it was good. I thought it was good. I need some more Moon Knight in my life. Yeah. I can't wait for season two. I hope they do a season two. There's rumors that they're not, but I mean, I don't know. We'll see. Even if there is no season two, throw him in the MCU. Let's see what he can do. Yeah. Will be for him or in somebody else's movie. Because it'd be cool to see like Mark and Steven acting as good guys. And then yeah. Jake as the unpredictable wild card of a bad guy. Well, what appears to be a bad guy. So it's like you don't know. Like if he blacks out, you don't know what version you're going to get of him. So it kind of makes him like <laughs> makes him like the ultimate wild card. Like you're either going to have Steven be like, hello. Or, and, or you have like Mark being like, hey, guys, like let's let's just chill out. I'll still fuck you up, but like let's chill out. Or you just have like Jake Lockley that's like, pow, pow, pow. <laughs> you dead. Yeah. Killing you. Yeah. <laughs> So. And Layla's still there. Does Layla still have the hippo? Is she well, still the avatar of the hippo? True. You don't know if she gave it back because she did say temporary. Maybe she was like, I kind of like the suit, a.k.a. the Wonder Woman suit, a.k.a. she wore it better. I'm just saying, a.k.a. She did look like Wonder Woman. <laughs> not going to lie that. Not going to lie about that. <laughs> but, yeah, that oh, was our uh, Moon Knight review. Um but yeah, we liked it. I mean, clearly. Um, yeah, it was a good time. It was a good time. It was a good time. I would definitely you recommend it. In the comments. Comments. What did you say? I said, let us know what you thought in the comments. Let us yes. know if you hated it or if you loved it, what you liked about it. Let us know. And again, if you need to know where to leave comments, uh, remember to like, share, rate, review, comment, and subscribe to Disaster Party Podcast on all social media platforms, including the YouTube, which you could see Andy in studio and me with my empty background as I am still packing up my house. <laughs> and let's just run down the episodes real quick again. Uh, next week, uh, we will be doing uh, Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness with Shawnee D and B. Rent, as I believe. Then the episode after that, we will be doing Double or Nothing, uh, AEW pay-per-view. Uh, then after that, we do have a few Know Thy Neighbor episodes. We also have uh, an episode with El Jefe Marv, which I believe we're talking about cannabis. Um, El Jefe. I think we're talking about cannabis. And then we also have our Halo uh, review coming up too. So that's about eight or nine episodes looking forward to. And we do have more in the works. Uh, And one of these days, maybe even next week, maybe not, um, I will end up in the studio with Andy. And we will do our second episode live and in person. Can you realize – that still blows my mind that we have – Technically over 74 episodes. Oh, way over. 74 
Okay, I'll, I'll say 115-ish episodes. Out of 115, we only have one. One in-person episode. As of uh, Apple, on Apple, I, uh, Apple Podcast, it says we have 110 episodes. Ooh, I was before, off. Before today's. I was off. I was off. Yeah. Still, I was close, but I was off. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, as for Disaster Party Podcast, I'm Rob Cedeno. Oh, daddy. I'm Andy Bivians. And I hope you know how to do this, but we are out. Bye. Bye.